0: Welcome to Kill the Cat. This is a bit of a special episode for us, as we're bringing our first ever guest onto the show, Emily from the Supernatural on the Rocks and Glee on the Rocks podcasts. Emily's been part of fandoms for a long time, and so we brought her in to discuss BBC's Sherlock and the fandom it garnered. It's a bit of a longer chat discussing some of the elements that attracted the fandom, some things the creators got right, some of the mistakes they made, and hopefully some ways you can consider these things in your own work. There's a few minor spoilers for Supernatural and obviously major spoilers for Sherlock. But otherwise, sit back and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Kill the Cat. A uh, bit of a different episode for everyone today. Uh, we're talking about Sherlock and we have a guest. Uh,
1: Yeah, we have our first guest on the podcast. We have Emily from On The Rocks Productions. Uh, It's got two podcasts going at the moment. You have Glee On The Rocks and Supernatural On The Rocks. Uh, So, Emily, do you want to tell us a bit about your uh, podcasts? Hi, yes. Thank you for having me. Um,
2: Yeah, so we do... Um, Two podcasts at the moment, Glee on the Rocks and Supernatural on the Rocks. And our thing is to look back at shows that we were kind of intense fans of at the time. And dissect them, we like to think in in a somewhat humorous way, but also as fans of them, we tend to be very critical of things that we once loved and still love, but do have some concerns uh, and criticisms of those things. For Glee on the Rocks, we are re-watching the entire series one episode at a time and for Supernatural on the Rocks. We are, because there are 15 seasons, and that is quite a lot to do, uh, my co-host and I re-watch an entire season of the show And then each episode of the podcast covers one season. Um, So we just take deep dives into the series, the writing, the style, the themes, and just kind of everything that we didn't get a chance to talk about at the time. We are airing our grievances, but also
1: our loves of the show now. Yeah, so I guess um, I listened to Supernatural on the Rocks first as someone who was sort of Kind of in the supernatural fandom back in the day and then i went on to your glee one and i think what i really liked about your podcast is there's a lot of like film and television criticism podcasts out there which i find very hit or miss we tend to try and be as positive as we can on ours but what i really liked about yours is it was coming from like a place of love yeah um and it was coming from like people who really really knew and at one point really enjoyed the source material and saw like many fandoms, see like how it could have been better. Yes, that is
2: definitely an angle that we we take every time. Is that we loved the shows, um, but because we love them, we are very critical of them. Because I, I think with any media that you are invested in, you are always thinking, well, why didn't they do this, and why did they do this, and I think. I think that's good. I think that's okay. I think there's sometimes a culture around media and properties that people get a little precious about the things that they like, and you can have fandoms and fans out there who don't want to critique or criticize the things that they love, and that that's a, an approach to take. But it's not our approach. Our approach is to say, okay, well, we like this thing, but not all of it. Mm. And some of the things that the shows that we love did are garbage. Glee had storylines that now are like super offensive. Supernatural treats female characters in ways that are horrendous. Um, So we're not gonna rewatch these shows and just let that slide because we also love the shows and maybe think about them too much. And can't stop thinking about. So no, them. Look, no, what I'm
0: you're talking about.
2: Hard relate. <laughs> then you start a podcast because you need to tell other people the things that you're thinking and hope that other people are also thinking those things.
0: I, I think for me, this episode is. I'm, I'm going to kind of be the like ignorant. Uh, I won't assume myself the protagonist, <laughs> but like the ignorant protege, <laughs> apprentice who comes along to follow. I'm the Watson of this episode. Yes, yes I really was definitely really the yeah, in yeah. this
1: particular scenario.
0: Um, I wasn't part of any of these fandoms. I came, like, Mm -hmm. I've watched through Glee, but that was only, like, last year.
2: Oh, that's late for a show like Glee.
0: Yeah, whereas my wife watched it as it was coming out. So she, Mm -hmm. like, she wanted to do a rewatch, and that's how I ended up watching it. Um, And I came to Sherlock only a couple of years ago, so it would have been probably just after season four aired. Um, Mm. And I didn't see season four until last year as well so for me i'm like i come to all this media without the context of fandom and so it's really interesting hearing things from like people who are fans there's this devotion to the media you talk about supernatural kind of going off the rails about halfway through and it's Mm -hmm. like halfway through was seven years before it finished (laughs) like that's a long time to be committed to something fans are feeling Mm -hmm. is off the rails like sherlock we've all acknowledged and we won't go too far into maybe at the end of the episode yeah we're it. gonna
1: have a little bit of event at the end but uh we will try and stay positive because you know there's a lot of good things like you said that pain of being a fan um so so yes i am very heavily into some fandoms um what hello um. certain readers of mine that i know are listening to this <laughs> but my massive fandom when i was about 18 19 years old was bbc's sherlock which is when the first two seasons were out yeah and what you were talking about emily of like that pain of being a fan I, after watching the last season, I completely switched off from the show. I haven't mm. rewatched it until this podcast. Yeah, because I felt so hurt that the creators uh-huh. were so mean towards their fans and so dismissive. And it was almost like, how dare you like this thing that we created?
0: What a place to it... be in.
1: I know, right? <laughs> like, create,
0: how dare you like yeah. my thing, not,
2: do you like it? The relationship between fans and creators is so fascinating to me because it's like the writers and the creators are are making a thing to be consumed and mm. then at some point maybe it's the feedback loop of a particular fandom's reactions or you know there's studio pressures there's financial pressures there's all these things but some seem to sour and it's like they stop enjoying the creation of the product and then they see feedback from the fans and the viewers and they just start to like, oh, you like that thing? Okay, we're not going to do that. We're going to do something else so that you don't like it anymore. Like, but, but we were having a good thing here. What what are you doing?
0: Like antagonizing the fans almost.
2: Yeah, there's there sometimes seems to be an antagonistic relationship or... Oh, you liked you liked that couple on that show, breaking them up. Mm. kill one of them, bury your gaze. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kill someone. Uh, we're gonna send someone else off to a different uh, country. We're going to take a character trait that you really liked about this character, and we're just gonna retcon it right out of them. Like just gonna we're gonna do it because we can, because we are mm. the creators. And maybe being on the fan side, that's our perception and not the actuality of the creator. But because you can't have those conversations with them, there's no way to know. Mm. In Supernatural, you're just you're watching the show like, what are you doing? Why are we enjoying ourselves? What did you do?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Stephen Moffat made some unflattering comments about the fans. I think at one point, like, he got asked about, like, why do you think so many young girls like like your show? And his response was, oh, I think they find Benedict Cumberbatch attractive.
2: <sighs> so mm-hmm. reductive.
1: And there's this certain bitterness, I feel, of like, oh, we attracted, we didn't attract the fan base we wanted. Right. And just this kind of media stereotype of, like, these crazy fangirls. Mm And they're like, oh, our product must be lesser if this audience is into it. Yes. But I
0: feel like that's also a failure to recognize that, like, when you look at the populations of fandoms, Mm. it tends to be younger, tends to be female, and tends to often be, like, LGBT. Yes. Like, a lot of representation Mm -hmm. in that, like, it tends to be a more diverse group. Of course you're going to see that in your fans because that's, mm-hmm. those are the people who have the time and the interest to kind of get devoted into it. Like, when you look at the people who are writing fan fiction, the people who are mm-hmm. engaging in online communities, uh, especially in, like, Tumblr and the places where you kind of develop fandoms. Like, Tumblr mm-hmm. was a women's
1: yeah medium. Tumblr is still going strong, no matter heart what people try to tell you. It's still there. <laughs> yep. And it's actually one of, like, the, that's the heart and soul. Yeah. And it's one of, like, the last few media like social media sites that isn't obsessed with like advertising for example or mm. like revenue or like trying to like boost creators yep what? like we refer to keep ourselves trying. as like a dumpster fire and we're like no just let us have yeah. the dumpster fire we like it that we way like yeah dumpster fire. It was,
2: they've sold tumblr twice for just decreasing value Are you serious it's hilarious That's they can't amazing. do it they keep trying to do advertised posts. And now you can make your, you can monetize your blog on Tumblr now. And people like, oh. yeah, no. people like rioted <laughs> against that. They're like,
1: don't you dare use post, is it post plus? Is that what post plus? It's called? Yep. Yeah. People like, don't use it. It's going to do this. And like, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And if people Absolutely actually no like it. largely abstained from it.
1: I don't know yeah. anyone who uses it.
0: Wow. I don't know anyone yeah, we're like either,
1: yeah. That's- well, we walk a very tricky like legal line with mm-hmm. fan it's a fiction very and tricky, stuff, yes, and there's also like a and fan art especially. Yes, there's like a big fandom taboo of like you do not monetize your fan fiction. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Like you do not have a button that says go buy me a coffee. You just don't do that because you could get the rest of us in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's an it's an
2: interesting <laughs> world out there for for fans. Actually, it's an interesting point about the fact that this fandom is I think I don't know about younger but probably female, because I think the fact that it's women potentially to the creators does as you were saying i don't think it's what they anticipated being their fan base which i don't know about you we could have predicted that yes yeah i feel like watching the show
0: i'm like this this like even season one i'm like yeah Yeah, obviously yes like it's obviously you're heading down this path
2: i mean if you just you tick off the boxes of like attractive british they're solving mysteries it's a crime drama Mm. It's quirky. There's really good banter. There's it's, great yeah. banter. There's obvious chemistry between the actors. There's some fun music. It's fast-paced. Like you're just ticking off fandom boxes. It's got an, It's a pre-existing property that's had fans from the past. Like you've you've just mm. Star Trekked everything already. You're hitting <laughs> yeah. like X Files here with um, a skeptic and a believer. Like you're already. Which I can say, so you'd asked before, like, The, X, the X-Files was my original fandom. Oh, uh, okay. Ah. Good to know. Um, yeah, that was my first love as a kid. Probably too young to have watched The X-Files. Um, I, but that was one of the I first of, things I watched.
0: All I know of The X-Files is that I, uh, I snuck downstairs when I was, like, three or four and watched an episode of The X-Files, because mm. mm-hmm. uh, my mum used to like it, and uh, terrified myself. Yeah. Uh, and have never watched oh. an episode since.
2: <laughs> I did the I can't same. I was like, not remember doing that, perfect. but I just I know <laughs> that I did
0: that.
1: I did the same, but then I was hooked. Ah, <laughs> well, that's a good segue into our like first point of what we wanted to like talk to, and like discuss today for like our listeners who are upcoming like filmmakers, screenwriters. Is we're talking about how to like create a fandom, and one of the reasons we wanted to use BBC Sherlock because, like, as we just discussed, it's not the fan base. The creators were targeting mm-hmm. and yet they found one really quickly and abstractly like a bbc miniseries is such an odd choice to have such a massive fandom yeah but once you start watching it you're like yeah i can see why this mm-hmm. picked up the fan base it did so yeah let's get into the elements of the show that really grabbed fandom so yeah like you said the leads i
2: mean they're they're charming as all get out especially in this mm. you know so the pilot is not the original pilot but it is the much better pilot so i'm glad that they went in that direction with some reshoots and re-editing did they ever was... release
0: the original pilot
2: no i think
1: i had like a torrented version downloaded to my uh. laptop it's you can watch it on one of the box sets
0: is it still freeman and yes
1: i don't think mycroft
2: is in the original pilot though right i i, I think less of if he's even in it um, it's less fast paced, you don't, um, it's just, it's missing a lot of like the frenetic, kinetic yeah. kind of energy. Yeah. And Sherlock so gets glad they... drugged
1: by the taxi driver and like kidnapped yeah. in his own ah. apartment as opposed to willingly walking uh-huh. into the taxi cab. Which is the much more mm-hmm. interesting, yes, much definitely. more Sherlock option, yep. right?
2: But yeah, so the elements that are there, I think are the actors kind of clicking very quickly as a duo. Because they are very much a partnership, even though the characters are still working out their relationship of is this gonna work? I mean, obviously if you're if you know anything about Sherlock Holmes, you know that Sherlock and Watson are gonna get along. Well, yeah. But I think as a viewer, you're like, Ooh, how's it gonna play out? Are they gonna hate each other? How long is it gonna take? But
0: Yeah, we still wanna see how actors, that dynamic yeah. unfolds, right, for this variation. Because mm-hmm. You know, every variation, the dynamic is slightly different, mm-hmm. and different actors bring something different to it.
2: Yeah, do you know what's super interesting though that I just thought of the way when you said variation, what that is is a fanfic trope. What you're mm. watching yeah. is a version of two characters you already know, which is absolutely what you're doing when you're reading fanfic. It's a modern AU. <laughs> yeah, it is a modern AU. So you already know the characters. You already are familiar with the story. Cause it's mm. a study in pink a study in scarlet you're kind of already vibing with what's happening so you're kind of like in the groove
0: and especially because we'd seen um like the robert downey jr Sha- yes. uh, sherlock sure. only a few years movie. before
1: and actually yeah. that was the movie that like okay like so why i got into bbc sherlock is because i saw robert downey jr's sherlock holmes mm. and then just got obsessed with like sherlock holmes so mm-hmm. I went back, I read all the original novels. There's a great, like, Michael Caine yeah. version. There's the Disney version oh, yeah. with the mice. Oh, the mice. And yeah. this came, I'm like, oh, it's set in modern day. That's fun. And then this became mm-hmm. my favorite Sherlock Holmes iteration mm-hmm. for a long time. I still like the Robert yeah. Downey Jr. one, though.
0: Oh, I love the. Same Robert thing. Dan. Him and Jude Law, fun.
1: just chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing it's great. banter.
0: Mm. As an outsider looking in, I think there's something to be said for the two characters. Like, um, there's like an element of they're both outsiders to the world they're in right when you look at the fandom that's something i think a lot of people can kind of relate to and connect with like you know sherlock is in his words a high functioning sociopath but like he's got his thing going on but then watson is struggling to reconnect to the world that he's in because he's just come back from something so different and he actually needs something different and that's what sherlock is able to offer him and
1: everyone is misinterpreting what they need yeah so I there's that great Mm -hmm. moment where like Sherlock does the big rundown of like how he knew about John Mm. like at St. Bart's and then Mm -hmm. like John compliments him and Sherlock's like oh that's not what people usually say (laughs) what do they usually say piss off (laughs) like and then you immediately get to the crime scene and you've got Donovan there calling him freak and
2: Mm. yeah you get
1: the sense like oh like he's brilliant and like kind of an arsehole in his own words and but John sees through all of that Mm -hmm. To, like, the amazing person that's there. And in return, Sherlock sees... Everyone's telling John to, like, get back to normal life. And Sherlock and Mycroft both see no, you don't need a normal life. You need adventure and you need Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Yeah. I had forgotten how outwardly mean people were
2: to Sherlock. They're so mean Mm. to him.
1: They're, like, Like, name-calling and... Right to his face. Like, no he's...
2: Especially in those first episodes, I was like, there's no need to call him Freak right to his face.
0: Yeah. But yes, you're absolutely
2: yeah. right that they are meeting at a place that they both need what the other has. Or they're both missing what the other has at mm. this moment. Plus rent in Plus London. Plus rent. Yeah, you know, yeah, the real, they they yeah. want to live in London, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's expensive. Yeah. There's that. I did Don't love know. walking into that apartment for the first time. Just the mess absolutely everywhere contrasting with Watson's. Just I, it it was was so jarring
0: seeing that because I always forget that it starts on Watson, but Mm -hmm. like you see, there's a shot of his apartment and it's like his bed, and there's just emptiness. And you always position like Like on
1: one side of the frame early on, Mm -hmm. there's always like empty space next to him because Mm. you need Sherlock to come and fill it. Yeah. And they don't know oh, how two. they got
0: the fandom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: exactly. That's an, a correct point, though. It's like, and then they wonder why people immediately start, like, are they a couple? Like, well, look how you framed them mm. in the scene. Mm, you did this. <laughs> Stephen
0: Moffat was working on Doctor Who for long enough before mm. this that he should have seen this coming. With the Who fandom, like, it's just... Mm-hmm.
1: there's a powerful
2: fandom. It's mm. very
1: powerful. And then we had Super Who lock. Back in the day. I don't know if that's still around. Yes. But so that's our main um, like, yeah. pairing. Uh, fandoms will generally ship these kinds of characters. Um, look, as a non-shipping fan, I also thoroughly just enjoyed them as friends, but actually re-watching this. Again, non-shipping fan didn't ship it, but even on this rewatch, I was like, man, mm-hmm. like yeah, they're in love. <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah. all the queer baiting that goes on, yeah. This show is weirdly obsessed with Sherlock's sexuality. I, yeah. Yeah. It's very it odd. Mm hmm. Just with Irene Adler and then again in like the weird
2: holiday special. Yeah. It, it, it was interesting that immediately in the pilot, they're like talking about Sherlock's sexuality. Like, is this needed in this? Or are you putting this on the viewer to now start thinking about because if you bring it up in every episode you're asking us to think about it with no payoff Mm. because it does carry through for quite some time like you start thinking about it with John and Mary you start thinking about it with Irene Adler you start thinking about it with everything like so are we gonna find something out about Sherlock's sexuality or is it just
1: nothing it's gonna leave it and there's a line John has and something about Irene Adler and he's like, you should ask her out because something about a romantic attachment would complete you as a person. Oh. And I'm like, can you just let him be asexual and leave him alone? Mm-hmm.
0: I, this was always my I thing know. that felt so weird with the Irene Adler is that Sherlock feels so confident in everything that him being asexual and just confidently there and like
2: mm-hmm. just
0: uh, almost like sex is boring to him. Like yeah, that it doesn't thing interest her. Like, he's after well, something more interesting. The fact that Irene had any power over him because of her sexuality feels wrong for Sherlock and I would have rather have seen her have to then use her mind as well to keep up with him uh-huh. and like that's where the pie or Dime now it's like yes she uses her sexuality and that gets everyone else and it doesn't get Sherlock so she becomes a better character because she can actually keep up with Sherlock without yep. that yes. and then suddenly Irene's really totally interesting agree. right
1: yeah look props to Lara Pulver for pulling that character together <laughs> and making her watchable mm-hmm. but there's even that line where like Irene's like I'm gay but Sherlock like, to John, right. and she's like, look at us both. And I'm like, how is the fandom not supposed to interpret that as maybe John is straight but gay for Sherlock, if Irene's gay mm-hmm. but straight for Sherlock? <laughs> you can't be a writer
2: and a creator and put that into the final draft of the script and not be have it be on purpose. And these creators leave so many other context clues and nuggets for mm. future episodes that either they're all on purpose or they're not. So then do you take them seriously for the rest of them and believe them when they say, oh, no, we set up Moriarty in episode one for Reichenbach. When do we believe you as a creator?
0: Well, they also tried to claim that they'd set up the sister, like they had planned her the whole time. And I'm like... I don't did think you? so. Yeah. And also, why are you claiming such a bad ending? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you planned it this bad from the beginning. Yeah. Is
1: there anyone who liked Sherlock's secret evil sister? <laughs> I would love to hear if someone did. Yeah, We're going lesson. off track. Yes. This sorry. This is for later. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's fine. That's also fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So we talked about like key dynamics in the core of your show. I mm. think having two characters that are missing something that the other can bring. Yeah. It's a great place to start if you're going to have, like, dual protagonists. We um, this. Let's talk about side characters.
0: Yeah. I think, actually, I, I was going to say this about John as well. Yeah. But one of the things they do with side characters is, especially with, like, Molly, is mm. give us a place to mm. be in the show. Like, That's who are we true. in the show? So there's a lot of people who are going to be like, mm-hmm. oh, we're like Molly. We're like the, you know, trying to get in there. We're really excited about Sherlock. Yeah. I think there's an element to which we are Watson as well you know trying to keep up with the deductions
1: um becoming it through his eyes and even all like the side characters are sherlock's like not friends but like people in the Mm. beginning so Mm -hmm. we're meeting people like greg and mrs hudson and molly through sherlock but we use the term ignorant protagonist um to describe that so like john is the person who's like new to that so we get to meet all of them through Mm -hmm. john
0: it's also a great way to set up sherlock like there's a thing of like there's two ways to set up something about a character you either see the character do it themselves or you hear another character tell Mm -hmm. someone about that and hearing another character say something about a character is something that sticks with audiences a lot more like it like it gives credibility to that personality trait and so introducing sherlock through all the side characters is a really good way to make us connect with Sherlock and learn about Sherlock and know who he is mm-hmm. even
1: learning about John like we learn mostly through John through Sherlock's deductions yeah of him that's how we get mm-hmm. John's backstory
0: that's true yeah which is yes. a very cool way mm. but
1: I remember in and the fandom you- like we loved the side characters too yeah like we like Greg and Molly and Mrs. Hudson oh, so and the the,
0: <laughs> the episode where the like scene where Miss Hudson gets like tied up and then Sherlock throws a guy out the window yes was, like one of my favorites yeah. I love
1: it I like that Aren't Mrs. Hudson no, always shipped them I know All that was part the of beginning. the queer baiting, but in the fandom, but like within the story, it was cute mm-hmm. that she Loki like, yeah. shipped them. It is nice yeah. to have a character who,
2: even when everyone else kind of dislikes the main character, has that soft spot for the main character from the beginning because mm. it does humanize Sherlock without making him soft. Missus Hudson isn't making excuses for Sherlock; she just likes him she has a reason to he mm-hmm. helped kill her husband he did have yes. it coming yeah definitely um, had it coming he did i it
0: love miss hudson's like just like wild backstory that we only ever get like <laughs>
2: snippets <laughs> of it's exotic like, dancer uh, wife <laughs> of a
1: yeah, rug lord down <laughs> of, yeah florida i think yeah. well that is what happens when you've lived well, in look, florida that's true yeah, yeah. so you know and even you have like greg lestrade is there to be like the one person on the police force Mm. who's kind mm-hmm. of on Sherlock's side. This is a mistake I see in a lot of scripts. If you have a character like this, everyone hates them. Right, yes. And I'm like, no, you need like certain people to dislike them. And you can have people like Greg who does get exasperated and fed up, but mm. does have mm-hmm. a soft spot for him.
0: Yeah, um, and knows him, yeah. and can like acknowledge that like he needs him. I really, I had forgotten about, in the first episode, there's the line that Lestrade says, because Sherlock Holmes is a great man, and one day maybe he'll even be a good man
1: and then, mm-hmm. at, and then at the end he's like oh he's a good man and the yeah last i don't feel like that got
0: paid off well and that's so yeah. sad because that's such a great thematic motif to set up for mm-hmm. a character to carry through a series right it's like the sure. series is he's brilliant and he's gonna learn to be good through he's, john good through john right like that's through the thing well needs.
2: yeah and it is the it is the juxtaposition to the other was it the other detective who said that if he's too bored with these murders he will start killing Yeah, one them day like he's going to be
0: the one. Creating he's going to be the one doing yeah.
2: that. Say it's just these two perspectives of mm. Sherlock. Okay, he's kind of a pain in the ass, but he's brilliant in his own ways. He just needs he just yeah. needs a little push into being a person versus he he may also kill people at some
0: point. Mm. I love when Sherlock says something, and then everyone just kind of looks at him, and he's like, "Is that not good?" And <laughs> just yeah, like a, bit, a little yeah, bit good. not good.
1: Uh, just going back good. to like what kind of friends Sherlock has as well. I made a note this time that he's friends with people like he's friends with a red, like a small-time restaurant owner. He has the homeless yes. network. The, I guess the kind of people that maybe like air quotes normal people don't bother with. Mm-hmm. Sherlock also Definitely. sees their potential and mm-hmm. is friends with those people. Or there's like the street artist in episode two. The detective inspector and, and that episode is really rude to him. Like the, the banker that he goes to see that gives him the case is really rude to him. Um, going back to the blind banker, I realised it was Gemma Chan who plays like oh. the lady with the teapots, who's the lead in The Eternals. Yes. So I'm like, oh, it's three MCU actors all in the same scene. Oh. So that was pretty fun. Mm.
0: But, what's, uh, we yeah. haven't seen... Uh, what's the actor who plays Moriarty's name?
1: Um, Andrew Scott?
0: And yeah. yeah. I, I always get
1: sometimes getting confused with Adam Scott, but yeah. he's amazing. Yeah.
0: He's so good. Um, he's such a good Moriarty. Why, ha- why haven't we seen Andrew Scott in um, in, in, the the, in the MCU yet? I want him back.
1: I would love to pop him in the MCU. That'd be fun. Heart Priest. Yeah. Heart Priest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's such a
0: charismatic villain. I, yeah. I like watching back through. I'm like, no, nah, I love Moriarty. I, he gets so ruined in season four. Definitely. But when he's around, he's dramatic like Mm -hmm. he is over dramatic and it's brilliant.
1: You really believe that he's going to do anything?
0: Yeah. He is just chaotic. And you believe he can Pure chaos. Yeah.
1: Um and yeah, it's fun that Sherlock is somewhat when I say attracted to it, I don't necessarily mean like, you know, romantic attachments, even though I know there was a shift in the fandom too. But there's something but we see that in the first episode where he could just walk away from the two pills. But he chooses mm. to play and i loved the theme of the show of like what would you do to stop being bored because yeah. what sherlock yeah. and moriarty are constantly doing and that's also what kind of pulls john into sherlock's world and that's what pulls us mm-hmm. into the show like we like seeing i always call it like sherlock vision when we go into like the deductions and we're seeing yeah. what he yeah. sees, yeah, see the like
0: little text of like what he's mm-hmm. seeing. Yes, in
1: the show was beautiful. Like I know it went over mm. the top in the
2: later seasons, but I mean, it's such an interesting way to do the cinematography and to show the deductions and the thinking, because otherwise you're just kind of watching someone pondering. Yeah, mm. and you you could see. In the, the second episode, The Blind Banker, I thought there was a little stumble in the cinematography where it didn't move quite as fast. Mm. And maybe it's because it was much more of a straight mystery to solve. It didn't have kind of the same deductions being done. He kind yeah. of solved parts of it pretty quickly, or, or at least we did, and you're kind of waiting for him to catch up to, like, it's a code. Mm. Like, come mm. on. True. Yeah. But then... The the other seasons up until the 4th, you get all these little things in the air and it gives the audience the immersion into what could otherwise be a little dull. And I think that's a very hard trick to pull off. It's like watching text messages on a screen. You're like, all right. uh."
0: Well, even Sherlock does text messages really well. Like, like they feel so natural. Yeah, elegant's Mm -hmm, a really good word for how... uh, One of my favorite sequences in Sherlock is the chase from episode one. Oh, yeah. Where they chase down the taxi. Amazing music
1: for that scene as well.
0: The music is brilliant. The use of, like, the road signs and the traffic... uh, Like, the walk sign when, like, Watson Uh goes to jump and pauses and then has to keep going
1: yeah the gps of,
0: yeah like everything about that sequence is just phenomenal
1: it
2: would almost look new too mm. because it feels like you and i we could we could film a chase scene at this point i think you watch enough action movies it feels yep. like car's gonna go here it's gonna go down some stairs it's gonna cut this way like all am right, we're gonna go 14 times
0: scene. in three seconds
2: yes. yep yep you're kind of <laughs> For a while, like you're not going to know where the car is. Yeah, someone's going to jump a fence. It's going to go over here. It's going to. Yeah. But in this one, because you're cutting between, it's, they're walking, he's running. Mm-hmm. And he's it's deductions
0: the happening at the same mm-hmm. time yeah. as yes. navigating the actual thing and then adjusting to obstacles. Which
1: is, mm-hmm. and it's showing off Sherlock's mind. And I think a thing in seasons, definitely season four and also in season three, though, is the deductions just. Kind of go out the window, with the exception of the wedding episode. Right. Like, that first yes. episode of season three, he figures it out, like, oh, there's a carriage missing from the train, and that takes him hours. Sure. I'm like, that's Sherlock Holmes. You yeah. should be able to see that in seconds. Yeah. It's the 5th of mm-hmm. November? Oh, there's going to be an attack on Parliament. That's the only deduction that goes into that mystery. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, it's Guy Fawkes Day. Yeah, we know. Yes. They put John in a bonfire, because this yeah there's that thing of like going back to like what makes a fandom is I I did really love that in the first the climax of like season one is it's Sherlock versus Moriarty Mm -hmm. and we're like we're the same people except for there's someone here that Sherlock cares about Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. John's life on the line which we like as fandom that's fun and then we liked it again in season two Mm -hmm. I'm generalizing but this was my general like thing of like oh Mm -hmm. he wanted to save like John and Mrs. Hudson and Lestrade and then they kept Doing that, yes, and it got real a little old more and a little very more. fast. And the first series finale, it did prove to
2: the audience that Sherlock had progressed. I mean, it's with only three episodes; it's a very short timeline in a way. Like, mm. but it did prove that since he had met Watson, that he had grown to care about at least a person. Yeah, that he could, you know, in the first episode, he would he was just leaving Watson behind at crime scenes and by. <laughs> finale he there's like real care and concern Mm. for his safety and well-being which is a big change for him and that will carry on throughout the rest of the show so that's a great character moment and beat for him but then yes it does just like a little more and a little more and a little more like what's what is sherlock gonna sacrifice at some point here Mm. like what's the what's the next character growth for him beyond caring for Watson. Like We know yeah, that he does yes. that.
1: That's so true, because I was wondering a little bit why, when we got to that, like that exact same trope in the later seasons,
2: mm-hmm. Like
1: I'm like, why don't I enjoy this the way I did in seasons one and two? And it's just like you said, because him caring about John in the first one is such a massive character step, mm. and then we get further, it's like, I'm going to kill everyone. It's, this mm-hmm. now extends to like three people. Yeah. And then you get to season three and four, like you said, when he's running to pull John out of the fire or the stuff of Magnuson or the, well, John is such a <laughs> yeah. damsel in distress. Um, yeah, it really you're right. It doesn't change anything about Sherlock's character at that point. We know.
0: I feel like season three, another option would have been to have flip it and have Watson have to save Sherlock. Mm. Cause he was, you know, pissed. felt betrayed. He was pissed. Fair yeah. And enough. I know, like that being the Fair. change would have been a, so much more interesting. Like,
1: hmm yeah. Watson had to
0: make a deduction to save Sherlock. That
1: would have been amazing. It's like, how much
0: did he learn from Sherlock in all of mm-hmm. this? Can he do it?
2: I would have loved that. <laughs> his confidence, his yeah reasoning. I mean, not that John wasn't intelligent. It's just a very different. But when you
0: put him skills. next to Sherlock, it's sure. Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, John is meant to be us. Essentially Mm. yeah, and like that's Mm -hmm. who he was always meant to be in the earliest stories And one of the points of like putting all the text on screen and giving us what Sherlock sees So the mark of good like detective fiction is the audience also has to have all the clues Mm. Like it has to be fair game that we could also figure it out So when he's Mm -hmm. running down the deductions of the lady in pink, we've seen all of that.
2: Yeah,
0: we
1: haven't pieced Mm -hmm. it together And John should also get all the pieces that Sherlock gets.
0: I I noticed that watching through this time. I'm like, there's times where Sherlock's egging John on to like uh, make the deduction. And it's stuff that we've had all the clues for and Uh we could actually figure it out. Like I was sitting there like, oh no, I've pieced that together. Come on, John. There there he is. (laughs) So it gives us a genuine shot at solving things. And we get to be a bit quicker than John, which is fun for us.
1: I did like um, when John goes... To the there's like a brother's house with a cat with oh, like yeah. the detergent on
0: uh, the disinfectant on the, the feet yeah, the, yeah, yeah yeah
1: and he's like oh he yeah. put it on the claws of a cat and like and Sherlock's like <laughs> lovely theory but no <laughs> <laughs> no I actually really love those
2: scenes because it does feel like Sherlock believing in Watson's ability to hmm. do it not mocking him or like making fun of him but being like come on like that you're so close I, I know you can do it there. yeah like just unlock his own little mind palace and just get in there and you could do this with me hmm. i remember um. when the mind palace was cool and not a drug trip yes <laughs> um. yes oh the drug the drug thing is a bummer
0: i mean it could yeah i think there's ways to do the drug thing well i mean it is, there is you know coming back from the original stories
2: like
1: yes yeah i'm sure there's like Look, i was i was never really into like a lot of sherlock fic but i imagine a lot of it would deal with that I don't know if you were, like, into the fic? I didn't read a ton of the fic. I can be a little picky, and That's it, fair. sorting
2: through can be difficult.
1: I found um, a lot of it was just, like, Sherlock and John in a happy relationship, which I get why there is an audience for that. That's just not what I'm interested yeah, there was in reading. Yeah, only
0: one bed.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's snowing,
2: there's only one bed, the power's out, and there's a fireplace. Yeah. I'm sold. Yeah, oh no,
1: what will they do? <laughs> In my notes I thinking back to the fandom, I was like, Yeah, no one shipped Sherlock and Irene Adler. Irene Adler and Molly Hooper became a bit of a was ship Was there a ship for there that? There was a ship for ah. that. Also, okay, the I never understood this, but it was so popular. But it was Greg Lestrade and Mycroft. I dunno if you remember that, Emily.
2: I do and i imagine it had to do with like a sarcasm meter maybe or like or had all power the ca- other dynamics? characters
0: just been taken I and they just started, needed to ship the last could, two that it started
1: off with, okay you know in the pilot how like mycroft pulls john aside and mm. like the creepy parking lot and gets yeah. the big okay mm-hmm. so i think it started with someone suggested like do you think he did that to greg when greg's Started (laughs) Like, bringing Sherlock onto cases. just going to everybody. So the fandom decided that he did, and I think that was the Mm -hmm. beginning of this (laughs) between two characters who don't interact at all. Yeah. But that's another thing fandoms do. We like creating worlds, and I Mm -hmm. think Sherlock gave us just enough Mm. um, on, like, hints towards these people's, like, lives, and the fandom would take that and, like, build that out.
0: Well, I think one thing that a lot of other shows would do... Uh, especially especially when you get more ensemble casts mm-hmm. look at something like brooklyn Nine. very different detective
2: show.
0: S- <laughs> uh but a great such show. a good show um but like w- one episode they'll pair rosa with terry and mm-hmm. you know amy is with charles and the next episode amy's with rosa and terry's with charles and like there's all these right. alternate character dynamics that work where sherlock mm-hmm. doesn't really do that and it's kind of sherlock with everyone and watson with everyone And then we also get the dynamic of the two of them together with Mm. everyone. But we don't get to see, yeah, like Lestrade and Molly interact. We don't see Lestrade and Minecraft or Minecraft and Molly. Yeah, it's like occasionally in a big group scene where it's really more about the interactions of everyone and Mm -hmm. Sherlock. Mm. But that's just priming for fan fiction, right? Because you want to see. What's uh, the missing scene? Yeah, like Mm. what connections haven't we seen? Together, mm-hmm. we haven't seen these two characters interact. Let's put them together.
1: And when they usually interact, it's nearly always about Sherlock. Yeah. Which you know isn't awful in a mini series about Sherlock. But generally, when like John and sure. Mrs Hudson interact, it's generally either about Sherlock or John missing Sherlock. Yeah. hmm I do feel like or the, the kitchen
2: being destroyed. Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> Which is because of Sherlock. So again, it yeah. circles yes. back.
0: The show is, was set up as this thing about the mysteries and about the deductions and how clever he is and mm-hmm. how is he going to stay clever but become a more human person. And it kind of just became a bit more of a character drama, whereas it's like you yeah. can do that character drama stuff in the fan fiction. And I think that's why in the mm-hmm. first two seasons, you know, it developed such a fandom because people wanted to see that and so they wrote it for themselves and then people yep. looked for it and found it in fan fiction and in the fandom.
1: Yes, and we wanted to feel like they were still putting effort into the show we signed up for, which is like you were talking mm-hmm. about when Ryan Murphy just goes off and does other shows. You're like, but you, you're doing this one that we
2: like. Yeah, because taking Glee for an example, when it becomes obvious that the main creators have ditched your show, it becomes hard to stay invested. Mm. Um, and then you, you, you start approaching the show differently as a, a fan, you start putting different feelings onto the episodes even as you're watching them like one of our taglines on Glee on the Rocks is like we didn't watch season six either because (laughs) we didn't we just I clocked out I was like nope I watched one episode because I had a screener from the studio and I was like well I will watch one episode because there's a wedding of two characters that I like
1: that's all I'm gonna watch like I watched season six because I used to have a thing where I had to finish shows I've since grown out of that but it's not worth it yeah yeah so we're gonna watch it
2: for the first time for the podcast and That'd be that's going super interesting i mean older now so we can look back on it maybe with a little less aggravation um it's not great. so there's been some time yeah well because yeah. we watched through yeah. season six as well yeah. when we watched oh, nice. last
0: year and yeah, yeah it was season five you feel the difference and season right? six is like this just didn't need to exist
2: right and part of it is that the original creators are just gone and you you're seeing on Twitter and Deadline and Hollywood Reporter, like here are the six other shows that they're working on. Like, but I, I would like you to finish the show that I signed up for. Yeah. And if you know, I you're going to go off, just yeah.
0: call it and end it. Like, yeah, just call it. I think this is one of the things I appreciate. Like Netflix seems to have this thing about not going over four seasons. Um, like all their original mm-hmm. shows, like they basically never get more than four. And so, shows are starting to just end at four seasons like Mm -hmm. the good place just like they called it they got four (laughs) seasons and they were just like no we're gonna end it we're gonna end it well and that's more important than you know continuing and everyone gets to feel good about that right fans feel good creators feel good because they're moving on
1: and i like the point you're always making in your podcast emily about like the worse the show gets the better the fanfic gets oh absolutely
2: (laughs) Because you're 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 making up for what wrongs they've done to you on mm. the show. You're like, oh, you okay? Well, I'm gonna go fix that shit over here yep. on just, fanfic. I was that I'll fine. I'll do it myself. <laughs> I told someone the other day that the show is the stage and the show, but fandom is the after party.
1: Mm, mm. That's very like, true.
2: Like you, okay. The show does whatever it wants, but. But fandom is the after party where you're having all the fun. Yeah. And I think, you know, Netflix calling it quits after four seasons does provide the writers the opportunity to say, Okay, we have this many hours of television to tell a complete story mm. and you're not stuck in this supernatural problem of, Are we still going? Okay, so we now now we have to come up with a bigger problem we have to come up with an even bigger problem. Which, what do you do after so, they um, save the
0: world, right? Like
1: you meet God and God's evil sister. Yes. Evil right. sisters. What is it with the evil sisters?
2: <laughs> yeah. See, like, in the very beginning, you know, before we started recording, we talked about, like, you know, what is Supernatural? It was supposed to be a gritty, dark show about... It was um, The X-Files meets Route 66. Yeah. As a, as a dark, gritty, realistic show of two brothers... Cr- crisscrossing the country fighting supernatural forces. The things that they fight in the first season are vampires, wendigos, and ghosts. Those are their biggest problems. Yeah. It takes until the fourth season for them to like meet angels. But then, then they meet like archangels and gods and everything else. There's an apocalypse, and then there's another apocalypse, and then they become the vessels like the stakes become ridiculous the creators had said that they originally thought four or five seasons Mm. and that was going to be it and you think yeah given what the first four seasons are like you're like no that that makes sense you do these things you meet god like a judeo-christian god yeah and then either the world ends or you save it one or the other you Mm -hmm. do it once and either you all die or you live a life you don't get to keep saving the world and yeah. dying yeah. and coming back. Well, it's it's,
0: it's, a, it's a thing that I think Marvel's going to have to deal with soon with the MCU yes. is like, they've saved the universe. Half right. of it got snapped. They brought them back. Yeah. They did time they've travel to already. do that. It's like yeah. they're going into multiverse now, which I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that's, you know, the next step. There's they've only so far you can do with that. <laughs> Cause it's like, not a multi multiverse.
1: I think what I like <laughs> about like the MCU though, is like, because it's not just one like thing, it's like different there's things so many multiple
0: properties you can go taken. off and
1: like spend some time with hawkeye and the tracksuit mafia mm. <laughs> at the same time like peter parker's off with dr strange and there's multiverse stuff mm. and then loki's doing more multiverse stuff yeah but then you can come back to like oh the falcon and the winter soldier which is like grounded post blip stuff so mm. you can kind of jump all over the place in terms of like level of stakes yeah it doesn't always mm. have to be world ending yeah mm. Because it felt to tie it to
2: Sherlock. to Sherlock. Yeah. The first season, you have mysteries, you solve mysteries, and then you've at the end of the first season, you've potentially met a mysterious M. So you've met like you have your first big bad. Yeah. For the second series, and like now you have to you have to fight your big bad. What do you do after you've met and fought your big bad? How do you continue to fight a big bad and defeat them? Mm. Well, then you meet. A super evil sister you didn't
1: know you had. Yeah, even yeah. like Magnuson they tried to make Charles Augustus Magnuson the next one. And yeah, like it didn't work because Sherlock wasn't mm-hmm. deducing. I just am
2: curious as to, I mean, I I don't think there's gonna be another
1: Sherlock. I they talk about that. it sometimes. Okay, here's a question: Do we want season five? No. Well,
2: that's another. I mean, that's a yeah. Like, does it erase season four? If you do, do you just say, Ooh, do like... We, do
0: we, can we can season five be a redo of season four? Sure. Like, they wake up, I mean, season not? four was all a weird dream. <laughs> Drug uh, trip, uh, maybe. And then they season five that. just It was picks his mind up. palace. Or season four was a crazy, like, fan theory about, like, the whole <laughs> thing. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's
1: just Anderson's, it's like, Anderson's, fanfic. Yeah.
0: He's written it, a novel. It's his
1: board yes. with all his...
2: I guess my last
1: like little thing I would want to vent about is how they treated fans within the show itself, which Supernatural mm. also does. Like Supernatural got yeah.
0: So can I ask, as a non-fandom fan of the show, um, mm-hmm. they clearly started acknowledging the fandom around season three. How is yes. that for you guys? Like, because it feels like they didn't. They were kind of mocking fans a little bit in this show. Uh, there was yeah. like, and other shows have acknowledged fans before, like Avatar, mm-hmm. which is the last episode we did. for you guys, like, what was it like watching the fandom be acknowledged? Like, was there just more excitement because it was acknowledged or did it sting at the time? I mean,
2: so as a viewer, I hate it. As a an active fan, I hate it. As someone who would like to write things, I also hate it.
1: Um, <laughs> Getting the sense you might hate it. <laughs>
2: Me, theme here is She hates it. The theme here is, I hate it. As you can see, we at uh, On the Rocks don't tend to hold back when yeah. we don't like things. As a creative way to approach uh, the show, I think breaking the fourth wall is rarely a good idea. I think the barrier between the creative property and the fans is there for a reason. I think it's the same barrier between fans and the actors on Twitter that should be maintained. I think it's why conventions are important to give space to have conversations, to have panels, to like give fans that moment of connection and conversation which is what supernatural does they still the show's been off the air for two years and they still have conventions every like three a year four a year yeah well. to give fans the opportunity to pay lots of money to go meet and greet and talk to the actors that they've been following but for the creators and the writers there's always often a disconnect between the creative experience and the phantom experience and the back-and-forth dialogue where maybe they think they're being kind of cute and cheeky, Mm. and it comes across as dismissive and rude. Or they're just being rude, and they know it. In those early seasons, Supernatural introduces a book series in-universe called Supernatural,
0: and it's about them, it's being, right? Like
2: it's about them. It's being written by someone introduced as a prophet of the Lord, Chuck, who, <laughs> <laughs> yep. who wild who is receiving the word of God and is just writing the story of Sam and Dean Winchester as it liter- as it happens. But he is also publishing these books to the public. In the world of supernatural, there are fans of the books supernatural and then in a later episode there are they have a fan convention so then there are people cosplaying as sam and dean
0: oh wow that's that's really <laughs> going into that's going deep it's into just, oh, and
2: then there's a so musical. hard there's a musical episode where people put on a musical about the in-universe sam and dean and cast. oh mm, wow. there's also the episode
1: where like hurts. they go to the alternate universe where they're themselves In a TV show? Yep. They go
2: to an alternate universe where they're playing themselves in the show. Like, there are two (laughs) people called Jensen and Jared,
1: and they meet, like, Misha Collins, and they're on the set of Supernatural. Okay. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Follow up question. So, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. You know
1: what kind of, you know what fans kind of
2: got off easy, <laughs> yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a lot, and and honestly, in the writing, it's not all. Po- it's not like positive. Like, aren't our fans the greatest? Because there's a char- there's a character named Becky, oh who's well, a yeah. crazy person, who's who's acted as an insane fan who writes fan fiction, who who writes incest fanfiction between Sam and Dean who are brothers.
0: Isn't it Wincest?
2: Wincest. Yeah. Wincest yes good job. See, She's definitely not a positive representation of the fandom. Mm. There are a lot of comments in these episodes that are negative towards fandom I think. I mean my interpretation of them are very like kind of pointed and a little spidey and a little like aren't our fans crazy up?
0: yeah it's sad that like the the fans who really like especially the ones who are creating a lot of the alternate media like in mm-hmm. terms of fan fiction and that kind of thing yeah. are the ones who are portrayed as crazy right because fan fiction is actually mm-hmm. just a lot of fun and yes it's the average person isn't engaging with it and is never going to engage mm-hmm. with it but there's right. a lot of people who do and who really love it and they're the ones who are mm-hmm. sticking with your show Supernatural went for what 15 seasons,
2: 14 seasons, 15 seasons, 15
0: seasons. And you've said mm-hmm. like it kind of was starting to go downhill around four, really derailed around midpoint. How, yep. why, as a fan, why'd you stick around for 15 seasons?
2: Um, mm, excellent question. I like some of the actors quite a lot. I think some of the relationships in the show are f- good. Um, I think once you like a show enough, you like a show enough to keep going. I think sometimes you hope it will get better. Yeah. Um, you know, I watched all of ER that didn't stay great. (laughs) That wasn't amazing all the way through. I did quit Grey's Anatomy which I am proud of myself for doing. But yeah, I think, you know, part of it is I do ship the ship. I read the fic, I'm on Tumblr, so I get the fan experience, Mm. I get the gifts, I get the fan art, I get to enjoy the positive sides.
0: So it's almost less about the show at a certain point and more about the community, right? Like you're engaged with so much else beyond the show that what the show does is really sort of, minuscule to compared to like the fictions you get to read and the memes you get to look at and
2: sometimes and then sometimes there will be some really good episodes where you get to really enjoy the story that you liked the first time Mm. Because um, there's already
0: been that, yeah. like, you've built so much, you've put that time and effort into, yeah.
2: like, oh, yeah. learning
0: it and, you know, the community. Like, with Sherlock, mm-hmm. you know, you had two right. years between seasons, and so yeah. you spent so, so long. so much yeah. hype between season yes. two and season three. Mm-hmm. So much hype, so much fan fiction and media to engage with, mm-hmm. that it just kind of sucks you in, you you stay around yeah. even mm after a disappointing end
2: yeah Uh, yeah and i think the changing media landscape has made the way we interact with different types of shows change you know i'm trying to imagine if there had been a two-year gap between seasons of friends like i don't who would go back to friends Mm. if you had to wait two years between it Sherlock was an interesting one
0: because i don't i actually still don't know any other show that i think could pull it off like even these days, like yeah, I think maybe Game of Thrones like, was the closest I think. Yeah, they had some long gaps. And
1: we understand that the, like we were understanding that the production mm. why the production was taking so mm-hmm. long mm. as well. Um, it was never like oh my gosh, it's and, taking them two years. Like we understand that the actors and like the showrunners as well are busy. Yeah, and
0: it's movie length episodes. And it's three like,
1: movie lengths, and that almost made it feel more special because it mm. almost felt like the mm-hmm. thing they will return to when they can. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they actually said they put in that first like big fan montage of like Sherlock going through the window and kissing Molly was well, because like we don't yeah. feel like we can live up to all the f- crazy like theories about how mm. Sherlock faked his death, so we'll put one wild one in in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I didn't hate the idea of, but yeah, like you said, it felt really mocking, especially like Sherlock and Mariani like almost kissing and then they cut away, and mm-hmm. it's, and like even this time Anderson going a bit crazy at the end and, like, Mm. just... Mm -hmm. His board board of red strings. That's how you see the fandom. Which is fascinating because, like,
2: deductive reasoning and tying crazy ideas together is what...
0: The show's about?
2: Sherlock is doing. (laughs) It's, like, it's what the show's about. So why is it so weird if the fans do it? It's the
1: thing. Do you think if it was, like, a male fan base, like, a predominantly male fan base doing, like, YouTube analysis... They would have been thrilled
2: oh no i think they'd be no i think they'd be thrilled yeah. i think they'd yeah. appear on the youtube channels with them and yeah. like deep dive into those theories yeah and we like
0: and those film bro podcasts yeah, and, yeah. Not, yep.
1: not a big fan or just the youtube um people yeah. who just yell at you oh yeah yeah mm. yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: and we said earlier as soon as a fandom is female then people are like get out. We don't you're not which happens with bands, it happens with movies. There was actually a really interesting podcast out about Twilight and the Twilight phenomenon. Ah. Interesting. And they do yeah, they they kind of deep dive into, you know, the beginnings of the movie. MTV bought the script originally and the first draft had like jet skis and it was nothing at all like the books Ooh. and it wasn't until I know exactly. And it wasn't until New Line picked it up and just Realized they needed to write the movie for the fans of the book. Yeah. That they hit on what was going to make it popular. Mm. And that was female fans. Like New Line figured out that their fan base was female. Yeah. What they loved in the book is what they wanted to see on screen. Mm. And that's what was going to make the movie not break the movie. Where what MTV was trying to do was frankly masculinize yeah the movie
1: interesting to get, yeah that would not of
2: and and like you said much earlier was to get a certain fan base like they were trying to get men to watch the movie because vampires like that's not what this is about <laughs> it's not what twilight's about
0: i i, I, I uh, yeah vampires seem like a female audience medium i
1: feel like they mm-hmm. always have been right like yeah all, all I struggled in, to, like dracula days yeah it's, like, it's
2: gothic romanticism yeah like MTV is not that great. <laughs> yeah. Not that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, like you you'd said earlier about creating a fandom. They figured out that the what they needed to do was stick to the book that they had mm. and the the readers that they had and the and not shy away from the fact that they are girls.
0: Yeah, I I think one of the points that came up in our discussions about Sherlock with that though is that like if you start catering to what you think the fans want though you mm-hmm. also start to lose things. And I think we mentioned this earlier, but like, mm-hmm. you know, there there is definitely an element of like, the fans loved the twists and the fans loved the, mm-hmm. you know, the relationship between Sherlock and Watson. And so the show just kind of became all about that. And like the creators right. have blamed fans for the, you know, yeah. horrible ending, which I'm like, you can't then also sure. try to claim that you knew about the sister the whole time from season 1 right. in the same breath like either you think the fans uh-huh. did it or you did it from season 1 like, or you did it yeah, yeah yeah it's not both fandom is there to meet a need for the fans that the show actually shouldn't be trying to meet and shouldn't mm-hmm. we just it will want a fail good show. if it tries to meet
1: yeah. Yes, we want mm-hmm. the good show you gave us for two seasons like yeah. that's what we liked and we wanted two more seasons of that mm. and you can leave like yeah. the super deep character focus Dive to to us us.
0: to the people who want to do it, right? To the people who are because not everyone wants that. A lot of people just want a great mystery show, and then they're not going to engage with fandom. They're just going to go about their day, having loved the show. The Mm -hmm. fandom will then create their own extra media for that.
2: And if you make a good enough show, the fans will find what is in that show that they love. Mm. You don't have to. You don't have to fill the soup with everything. Yeah, we'll pull out what we want from it. You don't have, like, put in, put in what you were going to put in in the first place. Don't fill the pot with everything Mm. because then it's just, then there's a crazy sister that absolutely nobody wants.
1: There is a way to do that. We won't dive into that because we might have an episode coming up all about Mm. fan service. Mm. Just to tease that. That'll be interesting. Do we have to do it now? That would be fun to listen to. (laughs) Do we have to do it now? No, 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 no.
0: is So this is one of the arts that you need to learn if you're going to develop a fandom, and that's called restraint. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes. That was my biggest.
1: So we do Mm -hmm. like takeaways at the end of our episodes. That was my biggest takeaway. Mm. was Restraint. Restraint. Yeah, I think you see this a lot of fans, not even just fandom, but like Pirates of the Caribbean would be like another one for me. Oh, of people God, like yes. We love Jack Sparrow, but he wasn't written that way. Johnny Depp kind of came in and made him like this rock star pirate. Mm-hmm. So then they wrote him that way for the rest of the franchise and it doesn't really work anymore.
0: I mean, it kind of works for right. the first few movies. Where it really yeah. dipped off is like, Jack Sparrow isn't the main character of the series. Like, the first three movies, it's um, Will and Elizabeth.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. They're the main
0: characters. Jack Sparrow is a side character.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: but the moment you make him a main character, the show falls apart because we now know it's what he's up to, and it's too much. And actually, his charm was in that we never knew what he was up to, and he would just <laughs> kind of pop yeah. in with, like, some... He's changed sides, you know, and... Yeah.
1: Yeah, what would your big takeaways be? from BBC Sherlock, and for anyone listening who's interested in writing, not not necessarily like um, writing for a fandom, but if you're writing something new, what can you pull from fandom as lessons? Man, honestly, the first word that was coming to mind was respect. Mm. I think you have
2: to respect your viewers and your readers. One, to know that they can follow the story and that they can follow what you're doing and and to keep up. Because, you know, Sherlock is an incredibly clever show. And I think, especially in that fourth season, I think it was finding itself too clever. I think it really, the way Sherlock, the character, wanted to prove to everyone in the first season, first two seasons, how clever he was, I think the fourth season of the show really wanted to prove to the audience how good it was. Mm. Mm. to Like, it really wanted to prove how fantastic it still was, which just didn't it like did the opposite and the um, difference
0: in like the first two seasons sherlock is trying to get like watson who is our sort of standing in the show mm-hmm. to make deductions and to like engage with that process yeah. and he's like no you like he gives him the time to do it even though he, does, he has yeah. the answer solved
2: he had the answer an hour ago he's yeah. just trying to like get you to come on the, the journey with yeah
0: him. exactly because
2: that um, excites him you know mm. it does back in the day i worked um in a, a lit agency in, in Hollywood, so I was an intern there, so I read far too many scripts, just way too many, and then I, I worked at a place where we did script competitions, so read even more, and then I, I worked at a, at a Broadway production company, and then a film and TV production company, so read a lot, and I think one of the biggest takeaways from reading all of those is engaging scripts. They are exciting to read from the beginning, it sucks to say that those first 20 pages are absolutely the most important. And it's not not necessarily that the producer and the readers are going to put it down, because cause they are. <laughs> like, like you're, the people reading your scripts at a studio or an agency are absolutely going to put your, your stuff down after the first 20 pages, and I'm sorry, and that sucks. Um, but it's going to happen. It's, it's not just the time crunch that the readers are facing, it's that if you think about watching a movie do you want to be do you want your audience to be bored in those first 20 minutes Mm -hmm. or do you want them as excited about what they're watching as you were when you were writing it and it's i don't have a good way to say like what makes writing exciting other than did you enjoy it when you were writing it because if you're slogging at your story then it probably reads that way too so that is not the takeaway of respect, but it is what I came around to. No, that's really good advice. Um,
1: like, I'm also a script yeah. reader, and yeah, I would, I'm not even that generous. Like, okay, I do read the entire script because that is my job, but yeah. 10 pages. Well, you have to because you have to give notes. Actually, yeah. even on the first page, I'll generally know. It's super true, though, right? The first page, you're, you're kind of like, like, all right. And it's just like, oh, I'm in the hands <laughs> of someone who knows what they're doing. And I've heard like Mm -hmm. people say that's so unfair. I spent so much time on this script, and you just know 10, 20 pages in. Also, I I had a thought about you know how like people say fanfic. So much of fanfic is so terrible. Why would anyone read fanfic? Most screenplays written are terrible. They're terrible. We've both been readers. Mm. We understand this. They're terrible. Um, And then sometimes you get some really good ones, and Mm -hmm. that's what make. And that's kind of what fic is. Except fic community is so much more forgiving yes and if you have a fic that's not very good people will still probably read it and enjoy it as opposed to like a like a mediocre screenplay which will just get tossed away yeah because there's so much less
0: stakes right like yeah
1: the screenplay
0: someone needs to put in you know a couple hundred thousand dollars to get it made Mm. you know if not (laughs) millions millions. yeah (laughs) Yeah. like whereas fanfic you're just reading it
2: you just post it yeah It's
0: it's there for fun it's your time is the only thing it's and your you're time. usually doing it in downtime. Mm-hmm. So, you know,
2: another thing that I've heard, um, people talk about the difference between scripts and, and fanfic is that when you're, when you're reading a fanfic, you don't have to spend or when you're writing it. Rather, you don't have to spend the time introducing your characters because mm. you already know them. And I, I get that saying that, but I do think it's a cop-out as a criticism, because even if your reader knows who John and Sherlock are, if you aren't still giving those characters life in your fanfic, someone's still going to close the tab, Mm. because there's going to be 50,000 other ones where they are. There are ways to introduce your new OCs, (laughs) which if you think about it, your screenplay characters are just OCs you can give them life in the first 10 characters without saying, you know, intro, John, 35, Brown. You know, you can, he walks into a room with confidence and but like, you can do it without Mm -hmm. these slug lines that are boring. (laughs) So if you approach your screenplay with a little levity, maybe, and with a little, I mean, that's very, that's so easy to say on a podcast, but if you, I think, if you can approach it with some, like man, like the mind of a fic writer, where if you lower the stakes a little bit and you say, like, I know who these characters are, I'm just going to write them, especially on a first draft. Yeah. yeah.
0: The here's the way to approach your scripts: they're just fanfic for your OC.
1: I love that. Yeah, approach every script OC. as yes. fanfic
0: for your OC. Yeah.
2: Exactly. That's, that's that stakes gone. That makes total sense to me.
0: That's stakes you know, gone. The it the also end. puts things in the forefront that are important like knowing your mm. characters and mm-hmm. knowing what it's about I think good fanfics have like they focus on one thing right and they do that mm-hmm. like what's the one twist I'm putting on the usual or the world one or one element relationship of this character
1: that I want to deep dive into yeah
0: or one <laughs> character dynamic yeah. that I want to investigate and that's what mm-hmm. good movies and screenplays do like they have a focus fandom.
1: like we wanted it this does. key relationship of John and Sherlock that got presented yep. to us mm-hmm. and like everything else is great like we said the the earlier writing introductions it looks beautiful all that's great yeah and that's my really key takeaway and how i pre- like, approach my own scripts as i kind of approach it with like what is the fandom for this what ships will mm-hmm. they like although i try to make the ships that, mm-hmm. that will like canon <laughs> um, yeah uh, what bits of characters can i see them fleshing out on their own and just yeah, mm-hmm. approaching characters like that makes me love them more. And as nasty as this sounds, imagining other people also loving your characters. Mm. Sure, yeah. And that makes them feel less yeah, disposable. I'm... It makes you treat them with yes. more care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just an attitude. It gives them some life. What about mm-hmm. our non-fandom podcast uh, today? What's your takeaway?
0: Um, my big takeaway is like think about fans, no matter how small you expect mm-hmm. your fandom to be. And Mm -hmm. make sure you're respecting them and just like treating the things they love carefully. You don't have to make your show for them. You don't have to do everything for them. They'll fill in the gaps they need filled in. Let your Mm -hmm. show be what it's meant to be.
1: And like you said, Emily, just respect. Mm. I think that's such a nice word. Don't have to pander to them. Don't have to cater to them. But Mm -hmm. don't dismiss them either. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. nice respect, because we like the thing you made, Stephen. So just let us have it. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: a big part of the reason you keep getting to make things. Yes.
1: Right? We do pay the bills. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Emily. This has been such a good chat. Yes, thank you for inviting me. Uh, Do you want to say where our listeners can come find you and your stuff?
2: Oh, sure. Um, You can find us on um, Instagram at Glee on the Rocks or at SPN on the Rocks. We're also on, I think, most streaming platforms for the podcasts. So I think our our main platform is um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, So it's Glee on the Rocks and Supernatural on the Rocks. So you can come say hi.
1: And we will post a link in our show notes as well. If anyone listening to this, you can just scroll right down and click on them and go check it out because they're two really good podcasts. Super fans who critique the shows—well, previous super fans, perhaps, is more fair—who critique the shows, but with a yes. lot of love for <laughs> the I'm, original I'm content. I'm anticipating
0: we're going to have a bit of crossover of uh, people knowing that some of the fans of our show have come across from Cat's fan fiction. Yes, there's probably mm-hmm. going to be some supernatural and Glee lovers out I there imagine, who yes. will enjoy this. So. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this episode on how to create a fandom. As mentioned, you can find links to Emily's podcasts Supernatural on the Rocks and Glee on the Rocks, as well as their social media in the show notes for this episode. Want an easy way to stay up to date with the podcast? Click follow or subscribe on whichever platform you're on. And if you have the time, leave us a review or recommend us to a friend, as it helps us to grow the show and bring you even more episodes. Upcoming episodes include Paddington 2, The Toy Story Sequels, A Quiet Place, and Phineas and Ferb. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook, so feel free to stay high. Until next time, this has been Kill the Cat.